0: And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on this Sunday evening. This is a program in which I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Anne Williams, or Annie Williams, radio and TV personality and TV director and classic 1027 announcer. That's moi. (laughs) Welcome to the program. (laughs) Thank you, Richard. And it's fairly recently that you started here on Classic 1027, but you've had a long career in broadcasting. So people know your voice from old. Where did it all start?
1: Well, if I might say, it started in Grahamstown, actually. Not that I was on air in Grahamstown, yeah. but we lived in African Street. And on the corner was the SABC in Grahamstown. So I was very familiar with Anne Ryan and yeah. quite a few of the people that were there. And I'd always loved radio.
0: Did they broadcast from mm-hmm. there in those days?
1: They did, too. Yeah. And so, you know, it was part of my upbringing. And I then, when well, I did join the SABC, Straight out of Varsity, I sort of had a double career, exactly what you said. I, I, I began in television as a production secretary, but I also got landed a job as a television continuity presenter, which was also right. And I whizzed down to 5FM, and I became a newsreader. <laughs> so, I, I, so it was right there. But to be truthful, I grew up with radio. Yeah. Uh, not, there was no television when I was yeah. young.
0: But when you said you were a, a TV continuity person, that must have been in the very early days. Of TV uh,
1: it was so it was 75 1970s, five, yes. 75 yes and there was a there were brace of continuity announcers Dorian was on on the Monday Pauline Bailey Tuesday I was Wednesday Thursday I'm trying to recall who it was Friday was Michael Hobbs <laughs> Saturday was Peter Miller and in those days the, the broadcast was cut in half so you would start at four until eight and it was English and then from eight until midnight was Afrikaans on a Monday and then on a Tuesday it swung around. Afrikaans first and English late. <laughs> Do
0: and you remember that? Am- how amazing is that? Michael Hobbs was in same class as me at junior school. And also he- an Eastern Cape boy. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was
1: in my brother's school, Graham College. Yeah. So
0: I was at BG Victoria. Well, we course. were at prep school together. Uh-huh. That's interesting. <laughs> I never knew that. That's amazing. Yes, he was a Friday night continuity
1: yeah. nurse, and he used to wink goodbye. And his <laughs> hearts would have fluttered.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, gosh, your, your TV career goes actually right to the beginning of TV in South Africa. Mm. Uh, it's amazing that they lasted for so long without TV. I remember, you know, people were very suspicious of this box (laughs) true and
1: it it hadn't started you're quite right and they went on a recruitment drive these SABC chaps and they went around to all the universities and they they approached I think the speech and drama teachers and uh, speech and drama students and and English students and it was really most appealing so we then applied and I came up to Johannesburg for an interview uh, but I had just a, a little sidebar here, Ronnie Wilson, who'd been on radio. He he had landed the job as head of light entertainment. But he was in Grahamstown visiting the SABC for some reason. And I had a part-time job. I worked at the Settlers Inn Motel as a receptionist. And he, and he was checking in. And I went, oh, it's Ronnie Wilson, you know, radio famous. And I said, oh, how wonderful to meet you. And he said, and what do you do, young lady? And I told him. And he said, you know, they're looking for people to join television. That's how it began. And that's how I and then I say the recruitment guys came by. And so I came to Johannesburg, had an interview and I landed a job and we were in training uh, for by the BBC. We hadn't started broadcasting yet.
0: And I guess at that time, the Beatles were going. You see, the Beatles were
1: a huge impact in my life. You know, it was either the Stones or the Beatles. And I was uh, on the Beatles side. (laughs) Well, and
0: you've chosen a piece by the Beatles called In My Life. There you are, that brings back some memories for you. The Beatles in my life. Oh, it's a very special song. Isn't it amazing how many people came from from or through Grahamstown, though? Because I think in broadcasting, I mean, you've mentioned some already. Peter Terry, who's connected with this station. Uh, also, um, who was the light music guy at uh, SABC? He used to have a program on a Saturday night, Strings. Uh, he was, he was a famous guy. He, he was a famous arranger. Uh, his name will come to me during the program. But a lot of people came through Grahamstown.
1: Mm. And, and actors. It's because of the cultural center that Grahamstown is, I yeah. think. We're specialists. Yeah. Eastern Gapers. And where were you at school? <laughs> I went to Victoria Girls, junior and high.
0: Which is still going strong. I'm very proud to have been at that school. It was a fabulous... It's a beautiful school, actually. Yes,
1: it is. And they've maintained a high standard all along. Mm -hmm. It was very strong culturally as well.
0: And did you have a choir there?
1: For sure. We had all sorts of things, debating drama and the choir. And we had a school choir and then a little chamber choir which was sort of certain voices. I I was a second soprano. I was sort of groaning around in the middle. You you were
0: one of the favoriti.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and we were speaking there of of Graham's son and how cultural it was. There was also a broadcast choir which Professor George Gruber had set up and they pulled all the voices from various schools, P.J. Olufio, DSG, St. Andrews, Kingswood, us... And, and we were a broadcast choir, so we used to go and uh, ha- you know, yeah. have choir practice at the music department at Rhodes and so oh, on, nice. and we used to broadcast. Yeah.
0: And that choir that he ran, the, the uh, Rhodes Chamber Choir, was famous in its day. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it was it went good. on tour. Yes. I saw some photographs <laughs> while I was there, actually, because I've just come back from Um, I was at the festival this last week. And I was looking in the music department. There were photographs up of the the choir tours under George Gruber. Mm-hmm. Amazing, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was staying, in fact, uh, probably one road up from where you were on, in High Corner, which was Guy Butler's.
1: Oh house. yes, right opposite the Drosty Arch. And that, I'm just, yeah. Yes,
0: right opposite Drosty Arch. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly have thought now, maybe High Corner was a sort of a pun. Do you <laughs> think it was <laughs> High Corner? <laughs> I never thought of
1: that until <laughs> now. That—that's the thing about Grahamstown. If you yes. lived there, yeah. uh, you were a resident of the town. Everybody was interactive. I mean, Professor Andre Brink was our neighbour across the way in African Street. Uh, you'd see. Prof and you Bunch, knew everybody. You go, hello, how's it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, very special yeah. city.
0: And the school had some famous headmistresses too, I think. Kitty was my
1: headmistress, Kitty Richardson. Yes. The famous you know, you've seen the big portrait of her yeah. in,
0: in Quite Denny Hall. <laughs> grand ladies they were. Yes, yeah. they were. And Miss Matthew. Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Jenkins. Yes. <laughs> and and you recorded, we're gonna hear one of your recordings. You're singing on this. <laughs>
1: I am, I've dug it out of the archives, 1967-68, and this was the uh, Chamber Choir. It was a big deal, they came to Glenny Hall, and uh, came from Port Elizabeth, the Manifinicuk Studios, and we were all terribly excited. And we recorded an album, which is still around, and uh, VG has continued their their choral reputation.
0: And this is Panis Angelicus by César Frank. <laughs> Butter would not <laughs> melt. <laughs> that was César Franks Panis Angelicus. And amongst the singers there was my guest in People of Note tonight, Anne Williams. Then in Standard What?
1: Um I think I was Standard Nine. Standard
0: Nine. Yeah, eight ten eight so, nineteen. And just off air, you were saying that you've got a big uh, reunion coming up.
1: <laughs> no. Yes. All the gals are getting together next year. It's fifty years. Are you going to meet in Grahamstown? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, we've got a very active WhatsApp group. Yeah. We're all working out where we're going to stay and what to do. It's going to be fabulous.
0: It is fabulous, actually. I, I enjoy those things where you get together and you see how people have aged compared to you. <laughs> you, still, <laughs> you look quite young compared to some of them, I'm telling you.
1: We're going to have to have name badges. Yeah. But the silly thing is, is seeing all these mature women going, Dotty, <laughs> uh, Fuffy. Loopy, One, you know, all the nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, I mean, sadly, quite a lot of my contemporaries have already died. It's, it's, I'm sure some of yours have as well. Mm, it's we- quite sad, actually, how, how the ravages of the years <laughs> have played out. So you went uh, where to university? Rhodes. Also Rhodes. Natural transition, yeah. straight out of school, yeah. just
1: walk up the road and into
0: Roads. And you did English and drama S- and speech things? Speech and drama. Yeah, speech and drama. Yeah, wonderful. And it had a fantastic yeah. department.
1: Yes, it was It was head, uh, Jane Osborne, Beth Dickerson, those, those are the names. I had the privilege of being um, tutored by Henry Goodman, the British actor, uh, well-known British actor now, and he'd come over as well in my third year. And that was very special. We, we only had, Ten in our final year, so you got terrific instruction and academic and lots of opportunities. Hu- huge yeah. opportunities. You got to play roles that you would never get yeah, to yeah, do yeah. in the real world. Uh, again, that, that university. my I still have very strong bonds with friends from that time.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's wonderful actually when you've grown up in a town like that and you all your friends are there, and uh, I guess there were some boarders also at uh, VG. Um, but they are all from the surrounding yes. district, so there's Farmers. there's a strong bond with an area like that.
1: Yes, it, it, yeah. as you say, it's the farming community yeah. as well, and and uh, that that 1820s settler stock.
0: Yeah, and that um, that Eastern Cape community feel is still very strong actually, because mm. Grahamstown is a small place. PE actually is a small place. You know a lot of people there, and I I was born in PE. So I still love going back there, and I just, when I drive through the bush towards Grahamstown, it just feels familiar somehow. Gosh,
1: Richard, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly the way I feel about it. The
0: colours, the smell, all of that. Mm -hmm. So then you went from there, and you got a job uh, on TV, and you moved to the big city. Oh, the big smoke.
1: (laughs) What a shock. (laughs) <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> and you drive up in your little, I had a Ford Taurus, and um, you know, my collection of things, I had a little little flat already. Again, a Grahamstown, well, Kenton-on-Sea friend of mine, Scatty <laughs> Edwina, had an apartment, got one next to her, and so it began. And um, as I mentioned earlier, it, it, it was really groundbreaking days of, of television. We had the BBC training us, and it was all brand new. There wasn't anything to compare it to. If you've been overseas to visit your family and that sort of thing, then you've seen television, but otherwise there was absolutely nothing that we could compare it to. There was the odd Rhodesians and Bob Winn who joined. So it was fresh. It was virgin ground. And so we were taught the basics. In those days, women were not directors. They wanted production secretaries, which meant that you did everything for the person that you were assigned to. And I, my producer was first Lewis Manny, and then the late Ken Kirsten and Bill Forer. So that's who I was Well, they with. were
0: great directors, those yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah,
1: and they they did great, great yeah. music um, shows and that sort of thing. So again, in hindsight, you recognize what a wonderful privilege and advantage it was. And then, as I say, being trained as we were very solidly and very clearly by the BBC.
0: Yeah. You know what's really interesting also is that I... the the reason I came back to South Africa, I went away for eight years. I was eight years in England and while I was away television started and it killed the SABC choir. There was an SABC choir but it was on the same night as Dallas (laughs) and the choir was killed. Yeah and so I was asked to come in 1980, I was asked to come and resuscitate the SABC choir because they couldn't compete with the attraction of television. And nor could the theatres.
1: Yeah. The theatres were dark on Tuesday nights as well because you were perched for Dallas and for rich man poor man and it's all amazing.
0: of that. Anyway so in a roundabout way that's why I came back also. <laughs> I was phoned when I was uh, somebody phoned me from London, Chris Swanepoel, he phoned me and he said you know I want you to come and talk to me I'd like you to come back to South Africa and Swanee. start the Swanee, yeah, start <laughs> these choirs. So in a way it was you guys who killed the <laughs> SABC choir. Oh, oh thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: but then, of course, a natural progression would be from you to go from being a production secretary to actually being
1: a director. A Director, yeah. and and they used to call directors as we call them now producers in those days, because the broader concept is is that the producer is actually the SABC. And uh, but but anyway, and we got the, the American and the South, the British terms all sort of muddled up. Yeah. But yes, it was so. But I was very happy being attached to the men that I was working with. I also was an assistant producer. And we did such gloriously exciting things with orchestras and those sessions that were held down in M1 and M3 and M2. and Glorious musicians. Yeah. And the shows that that we did, uh, a lot of live broadcasts and so on. So I became an assistant producer. And then my boss was the late and wonderful Jerry Bosman. And uh, he was a huge influence in my life. Big band and that sort of thing. And, and he... Clocked me, and he said, "You know, Annie, you you really should now be directing, you know." And I went, "No, no, no, I can't do that." And he said, "Yes, you can, and you will." And and it was he yeah. that that pushed me.
0: Interesting. So, but I'm sure you went through pain sometimes. And he has <laughs> the King of Pain, the famous band Police, with King of Pain. So it was Beatles, Police. Rolling Stones. <laughs> they,
1: I've only sort of got into them much later. It, it was, you know, huge music influences. Well, as I say, it was, well, when I was much younger, it was Cliff Richard. Again, you had that Elvis Presley of Cliff Richard. Ricky thing. Nelson. No, 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 he was much earlier. <laughs> I went mean, Cliff Richard, Beatles, Bang, Police. And, and it was that, that Scar mix, and the, fa- and the fact that there were just these three extraordinary musicians doing wonderful, and it's melody. It's melody and lyric, and that's what makes good music.
0: You know, I just want to go back to Jerry Bossman a moment, mm. um, because his library of all his arrangements still exists. Uh, it's run by a guy in, uh, based in Cape Town, John Walton, and I still use some of it, and it's all handwritten in pencil. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> the most fastidious man.
0: Fastidious, and it's beautiful to look at.
1: Can I tell you a story? Yes. <laughs> I, with Ken, went to Los Angeles to do a television special with Juliet Prowse. It was called Juliet Prowse in Hollywood. And Jerry went with us. Jerry did all the arrangements, and and we shot it in Los Angeles. It was, again, a wonderful experience. But now Jerry is doing the scores. He had the full score in his suitcase, I had one in my suitcase, and he had another one with him on on his person. He sat on that plane all the way, just double, triple checking everything. And Alan Clark used yes. to do all, all the, the copying. copying, so all this lot. And uh, and we get there, all safe and sound. And we get to the studios, and um, we park in our parking lot. And Bill Conti had been there just before, and Jerry parked his car. He walked in, and the musicians were all booked. They were sitting; they were ready to go. The music was in front of them. We could have kept that first take. One, the musicianship was absolutely brilliant. Two, there was not a mistake on any of the score. And after that first run, the orchestra stood up and applauded him. Really? And. He could have, and somebody had actually said he had had the opportunity to work in America and he hadn't gone. But he was of that caliber yeah. that they applauded the work that this man yeah. from South Africa had That's done. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> what a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all those scores still exist, handwritten in pencil. <laughs> and uh, I well remember Jerry doing, in later years, um, Heifeld Pops, where they wanted him to wear tackies you know that <laughs> that was one of the the sort of visual images they had was a man in tails wearing yellow tackies jerry absolutely refused he, shiny said, he said he said absolutely not i do not wear tackies when i'm conducting <laughs> but that's how he was a lovely man great sense yeah. of humor as well yeah um it was it was a great era because i came in 1980 which was shortly after all uh, well i don't know when you're talking about probably the 80s as well mm, i'll have to look yeah. It up yeah. <laughs> yeah but i i was around in the 80s when he was head of television variety that's correct was that was my department.
1: department that was the department and i was in and that's where you worked yes oh, that amazing. was i worked under Jerry at that time yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking here to see what so, so so you So so you did
0: you did quite a lot of years in tv then. No? plenty yeah. i
1: uh, uh, I worked at the SABC for twenty years. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> and mainly in entertainment and and in live broadcasts and those big big shows, yeah.
0: And did you do any acting ever?
1: I did. Yes. Um, a couple of things, but the one was again an Agatha Christie, Peter Turin would cast people that were recognised, you know, from, from from television or so on. So I, I was in Murder at the Vicarage. <laughs> I was the Vicar's wife. And again, it was Jerry who said, Take leave, go and do it. It's good for you. It's good for your development as a director and as a performer. And so yeah, did it.
0: And, and he was a, a great influence on many people's lives, actually. And I think your next piece is chosen with him in mind.
1: Certainly. Uh, I, I like the band Chicago, always have. But it's the big band sound, which I, he completely was a master of. And I did it. A series with him called Big Band Beat, but he turned me on even more to Big Band.
0: What a great sort of raw sound that Mm. was. Mm -hmm. You know, just talking of Jerry Bosman also, I wonder if you, I think you were involved in the South African Games. It was the days when South Africa was banned from the Olympic Games. And they decided to have their own games. Do you remember that?
1: Very well. <laughs> and in fact
0: the other day someone sent me a photograph of myself. We were all dressed in white with gold trim, uh, the orchestra, and uh, I seem to remember Mimi Kurtzer going up in a, a sort of rocket ship. Do you remember that? It was in a, 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 cherry it was a pickle. crane, a cherry yes, picker. Pickle yeah.
1: It was a Bill Forer production. Yeah. It was massive. It was at Ellis Park.
0: And I, the other thing I remember about it was that at the time, he had just been shooting Shaka or Ushaka or Shaka Zulu or something, and he brought in a whole lot of extras, a whole like an impi. Do you remember that?
1: <laughs> they came in. It was a, a real a pincer movement. They came in, all the entrances. Or oh, they tried to. They tried to because the, why couldn't they get on? Security wouldn't let them on. <laughs> no. We're on a live broadcast here, guys. Let yeah. them through.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do remember that very well. They wouldn't let them.
1: <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that was a build production, and yeah. I, I was co-director and yeah. doing the screens and things. It was it was a terrifically big production. Yeah,
0: it was. <laughs> and and we did big productions in those good days. It was amazing what what we got through. Uh, mm-hmm. Incredible. I mean, the whole orchestras, impies, uh The whole field was filled with people i remember mm. i, I don 't think we saw any of the sports, but I do remember all that side of it. It was amazing <laughs> and you were you were involved in in all of that, and it was uh the time when things were just starting in a different way and I see your next choice is Johnny Clegg and juluca. They probably came a little bit later but but the the scene was being set for them actually
1: yes and I'd uh, gone to Jerry and said, there, I'd like to do a, a program called, um, looking at th- three groups particularly that were big at the time. It was um, Hotline, uh, it was Ballyhoo, and Juluka, And it was a bit of a sort of twitch about it, because at the time Johnny wouldn't do anything for the SABC, because he was always banned mm. and so on. Needless to say, I persuaded him, and we did a, a half hour special i shot a concert with them in the good hope center we also went off and did music videos that was on, on certain of the songs and i was i was very proud of the work because i battled so to get it off the ground and i was very lucky i, I won a star tonight award for for juluka and this particular song december african rain we shot at the um, game reserve just outside Johannesburg with lions and canoeing down the river and all sorts of things and in the caves at night and it was just fantastic. It was in the days when you could do that sort of thing. So December African Rain is very important to me.
0: December African Rain, Johnny Clegg and Juluca, very distinctive sound, very new sound we had for South African mm. music and so on and, and we were around when it was all happening, it's so nice. Yeah, yeah and, I, nice. and you mentioned at some stage there that you'd won the Star Tonight Award. Um, RT's awards were a big thing too in those days. The SABC used to award RT's awards. I, I've still got them. I use them as door stoppers now because they're so <laughs> heavy. They were, I don't know. It was a sort of. Springbuck head or something. It was a buck's head. Three three, so like prongs. three prongs yeah. with the
1: sort of the, the overarching one was symbolic of the SABC and the That's other right. two were you aspiring. Yeah. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> such thing.
0: But they're jolly heavy. I've, I, they're very good doorstops. <laughs> I use them and you were an award winner of several things, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I got oh, an yeah. artist for um, Neville Nash Tonight program oh. and also um, for the new year's eve yeah. show of one year and the octave awards yeah.
0: but it all feels like deep history now i <laughs> mean who's ever heard of an arties award for and sake?
1: and does anyone really care no, <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i'm sure um a lot of listeners remember those programs and and actually whenever i mentioned jerry bossman people remember jerry Bosman. yes uh, very fondly and
1: yeah. there's those Arties awards gala evenings were of on the scale of the Oscars.
0: Absolutely.
1: There was, you know, spotlights yeah. outside civic the Civic Theatre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
0: was hectic stuff. <laughs> anyway, it's all now in, in the past. But we, we learnt a lot in those days. We certainly did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then I see your next choice is uh, Robbie Williams. Now there's a name to conjure with too. <laughs> I think he's a great entertainer. Uh,
1: extraordinary entertainer. And on camera... Is quite gripping to to see. He's just got that magic. Great voice, great songwriter, and the the song I chose it was Millennial Millennium, because we again one of those marathon broadcasts in South Africa. We connected to the rest of the world when we clocked over into the 2000s and it was all that Y2K panic and are we going to be on air and are we going to be go off and all of that sort of thing. And it was a challenge. I, I was in charge of, We were. I was the main hub with a huge, we were all a great crew because that's what television is about. It's only about everyone. It's not one person at all. And we were connecting to about eight or 10 locations in South Africa to begin with. And then we were connecting to the world. So it came through the hub in Johannesburg and and as we hit, the first crossing was actually to Robben Island um, with, yeah, you remember that famous scene which went around the world and it came through us. And then, as I say, we were broadcasting locally as well. And so this song kind of reminds me of that eight hour marathon when you didn't get up from to go and go to the loo, you know, and midnight came and went and we carried on and we weren't off air and the world was still seeing us. So this is the song.
0: That was Robbie Williams with Let Me Entertain You. But we've slightly jumped ahead of ourselves because um, South Africa opened up after 92 or so when Mandela was released and all sorts of people started jumping on the bandwagon actually, literally on the bandwagon. (laughs) And one of those was Paul Simon with uh, Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Um, And you were involved in some of those events as well.
1: Yes, Paul Simon's Graceland tour and done the world and it came to South Africa and he had a concert. In fact, it was the last concert of the world tour and it was held at the Greenpoint Stadium. So there I was directing (laughs) with the crew we had no rehearsal whatsoever we had to go live with this live broadcast of Paul Simon in South Africa from Graceland it was so invigorating and so exciting so so what we'd done we'd sat and watched some of the concerts uh, certainly the one from central park and we sat in the hotel and we watched this And we watched it and we watched it twice, and then we just went. So you knew more or less what was coming. What was coming. um, It's still scary as heck, you know. And added it was a brand new outside broadcast van had just arrived and it had landed at Cape Town docks and it hadn't even been commissioned and they just pulled it into Greenpoint Stadium and wonderful engine yeah. and they went plum, plum, plum. and I mean even our headphones you know our cans were still wrapped in plastic so it wasn't commissioned I and mean, everybody just sat there with their fingers crossed and hoping
0: and it would it, all work and it did yeah <laughs> amazing well here is Graceland featuring Paul Simon Paul Simon, and Graceland. What was interesting about that was also that uh, my guest on People of Note, Anne Williams, was filming the Graceland tour when it came here to South Africa, but that also music helped to break down the old monolithic apartheid structures, actually, and that was one of them, uh, you know, that a, a really big American artist worked with ladies' Ladysmith Black Mombasa. but in smaller ways, Juluka bands in South Africa were doing it too. Bright Blue was one of them. Exactly,
1: and we worked on Pop Shop. Ken Kirsten had started that program, and, and many people still remember Pop Shop. It was the only program that, which you could see overseas footage and local footage. We used to make videos of them. And we were always censored. They used to watch very carefully. You know, did we see a satanic sign there? Yeah. And what does that lyric mean? It, it was awful. Yeah.
0: Do you so and bright- they, used to, they used to pretend to play records backwards and you could hear <laughs> satanic things when you played them backwards.
1: Same with, with videos. I can see something. Anyway, Bright Blue were one of those groups and uh, I shot one of their videos, a couple of their videos. And I th- in a way, we were, we were helping it along. We had to be very careful about what we were showing yeah. or, or seeing, but we got it through. Yeah.
0: Well, and your next choice is Window on the World by Bright Blue. Welcome back to part two of People of Note. My guest, as I said just before we ended the last hour, is Anne Williams, radio and TV personality, TV director, and now an announcer here on Classic 1027. And those days were very much uh, male dominated. I mean, all the directors you've talked about have been males. The SABC was certainly controlled by men. Uh, and most of South African political life, and ap- apart from Helen Suzman, was uh, male-dominated, and and you probably helped to change that influence in some way.
1: Well, that's a lovely thing to say. I'm not sh- so sure about that. And at the time, you don't realize what you're up against. I didn't go in with any political agenda. I just—I was just thrilled to be part of this industry. And this you know, it was what I wanted to do. And I didn't even think I wanted to go in. And one day, I'm going to be a director. I was just there and taking it on. Uh, but I did get the promotion. What I found was that there was a skepticism about what you were doing and what are you actually trying to say and yes you you may not have consciously been stirring it politically or uh, an agenda about feminism but it there was an effort on my behalf to change that
0: a sort of hidden agenda a hidden yeah. agenda
1: so that is what you are up against and it, it there were a as I say, a few liberal men there that were just wonderful to me, that I owed my career success, as it was, to. But it's also a nerve-wracking position, because you start second questioning yourself, am I doing the right thing, or am I capable of this? And I also think at the beginning, there you are, you're sitting in, a, in an outside broadcast van, and, you know, 80% of it is chaps, you know, it's all blokes, who are wonderful. You, I cannot... Say better things about them, but at the same time, okay, show us what you got <laughs> But over the years it i I think I gained respect and uh, because I also thoroughly appreciate what they 're doing you can 't do it on your own so
0: and Joni Mitchell, your next choice has got some connection with this mm,
1: yes i I did do a couple of feminist programs. One um, was Listen to the Words, which took six female artists and it took a journey of life of a woman and created this... I still think it was one of the nicest shows. It got hidden in the schedule because of a, a, a thought that I was saying something political, so it got hidden at midnight. <laughs> there was also Two Women in Song, which was featured, Kate Normington and C.D. Lorca, And I, uh, I think that there was a rise of, of singer-songwriters that had been there from my youth, you know, the 60s and the 70s, which became stronger and stronger in my life. And there were, there were several of them. There was Carol King. I loved Dusty Springfield. She was a great, great singer. Um, but this, Joni Mitchell, uh, both sides now. Oh.
0: A wonderfully different sound there. Joni Mitchell with both sides now. The choice of Anne Williams, my guest in People of Note. And you mentioned Carol King uh, in that previous uh, track, Um, another great singer-songwriter from the same era.
1: And I realized that when I was looking at my music choice, it was so male-dominated, and I realized that actually, I I really like a lot of women singers and songwriters, so I've I've put her in here. Also because that the, the, the program I mentioned, Listen to the Words, which I did get a, a nomination for, was exactly about that. It was listen to what these women are saying. We are, we are going through this transition and my, my age group of women, I think we're at the forefront of breaking through. A lot of the barriers and I don't even think we knew we were doing it or you know waving any burning bras we weren't those kind of women but we were the first ones hitting that wall and I think that she says this how do you balance your love life or the expectations that you have as a woman what you're supposed to be fulfilling and what you're actually doing as a career and uh, it resonates with me
0: Enthusiastic applause there for Carole King, Will You Love Me Tomorrow. What great artists these are. You've obviously had some fun choosing all these tracks. <laughs>
1: it was difficult, Richard. Yeah?
0: And I'm just interested, you know, after your own singing in choirs and so on at school, did you ever do any music yourself?
1: My hidden desire. You've touched on my bucket list. I want to be in a musical. Yeah, But I know that I, I'd, be, I'd be great in the chorus. I'll be a, a great sort of peasant in Les Mis or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm never going to be able to belt out one of yeah. those songs. It's my absolute love. Oh, really? Theatre, yeah. and I love going to the theatre, and yeah. I
0: love musicals. So you still go a lot to the theatre? All the time. Yeah. We
1: try to go once a week, probably, you know, once Fantastic, a fortnight. yeah. Absolutely. When I get to go overseas... Yeah. But actually, I I must clarify that we are seeing work in this country that is beyond the level of some of what we consider to go West End uh, and and Broadway.
0: So just let's talk about South African theatre for a moment, because it is very vibrant. People are really imaginative here, but it's tough.
1: It's financially such a challenge, and and we are seeing such quality. The production of uh, Matilda recently, Chicago, which is is now in Europe, it's top top range. Our performers, our talent, uh, you know, they they can do. it. They're the triple threat. They're all capable of it. But it is a tough industry, and and it it costs the producers. It's very sad.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, it's with. The rand being as it mm. is and with uh, the financial stresses as they are, people can't afford so much to go and yeah. see these shows anymore. That's that's a big problem.
1: And I I also love theatre, I love drama. Yeah. And again, it's the same people that go. You try to pull people in to go and see it, but it's, it seems to be a bit of an effort. And mm. we, we have some of the finest actors in this country.
0: And we've produced a real good crop of singers from here. I mean, they're amazing people coming out of South Africa who've got real brilliant world standard talents. Absolutely so. We're losing a lot of them uh, because they need to make it somewhere else and they can make it somewhere else. And, that's and they are. Sad. Edward and Baker are. Dooley
1: is there. Uh, of course, Amra Fay was the great lady yeah. of,
0: of Chicago.
1: Yeah. Huh? Lots and of and people. And yeah. Well, here is a, a touring company of Chicago, they're taking it to Europe. They're of that quality, and they see seeing. To so they're Europe. there right now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get messages from some of them. They meet. Uh, I have friends in Europe, and they see members of the cast and the music staff, and and they send me little pictures. You know, here I am in Cologne with Kevin Kraft. <laughs> with Kevin Kraft. <Croc. laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They bumped into each other. I mean, I know a young singer uh, who was in Cologne just visiting, and he bumped into him on the underground. Yeah,
1: it's Triple quite
0: day. yeah quite amazing, uh, but you still love your your male soloists and <laughs> and we were talking and you were talking about reality shows and the wonderful voices we produce here, and you talked about the voice and uh, I, I think it's
1: of all the reality shows, and we can't get really tired, you know Britain's got talent or and all of those so things many of it's, them, no. it's, yes, and around and around they go, but there is one that I like particularly, and it's the British version of the voice i It's compounded by the presence of Tom Jones, who has, how many decades is it? Something like 50 years, 60 years that this man has been going. Almost like Cliff Richard. You know, his royalty. But the voice is rich. It's strong. The man as somebody in the industry says, he's got pipes. He just stands up and off he goes and his, his relationship with the other judges and the adoration of the people that he mentors. And he, he, I find that the most fascinating. And this piece of music, he did, not recently. He just stood up in his chair on the programme and just broke into the song and it's, it's fine.
0: Tom Jones and It's Not... Unusual, the choice of Anne Williams, who's my guest in People of Note, and we were just talking off air about other people that were also involved in the voice, like Jennifer Hudson, for example, mm. and and that provoked some other thought in your mind. She's
1: also an extraordinary vocalist. Uh, she made it in dream girls and she's a hard-working singer but again an extraordinary voice that cuts through but i just wanted to return to to the television side of the voice it is deceptively complicated they make it look really easy Not only because of the personalities, because it has to be personality driven, but technically it is superb getting the lights, the sound, the audience and the energy. And we can get caught up in television nowadays with, oh, look at all the screens, look at all the lights, but where is the soul? And that is something I I feel quite passionate about with, with television programming now, is that it's what you're saying, not necessarily what you're seeing. You've got to see it and you've got to hear it properly, but tell me, touch me.
0: dream girls with and i'm telling you i'm not going the choice of anne williams my guest in people of note and when you're not broadcasting here for classic 1027 or you know directing or lecturing what do you do what do you do to relax
1: do you go on holiday yes we do try and get out into the go and visit friends we have friends in the Midlands we have uh, family down in the Cape I do try to get overseas every single one of my family members lives in England Um, I'm an only child and so no siblings but I have cousins and so on and I do love going to the UK Uh, and I, I actually, i so, actually so corny, everybody reads, but that is what I do yeah, to relax. You enjoy reading. I enjoy reading, yeah. and I do watch television, and my excuses, it's my industry.
0: Yeah, there we <laughs> go. And, and obviously, you watch things like The Voice and the reality shows. Well, maybe not so many reality shows, but you certainly watch The Voice because you know what it's all about. But, and you do vocal coaching and voice training yourself. Yes. For whom?
1: Speakers. So, um, public, speakers, public, yeah. public speakers, uh, some of the TEDx speakers, and I—that that actually is what I qualified as. So, yes, I studied speech and drama and English, but I'm also a, a qualified teacher. So, and it's really uh, what I love doing. I r- truly do. I, I think if I hadn't gone into the media and broadcasting, I'd have been a teacher
0: and you still have a production company Yes I do but
1: you know television's changed a lot Richard it's one it's expensive also it's, it's not necessarily television in the traditional sense of the word um it you know it's it's mobile devices and that sort of thing and the application that you need to create a television program is no different to that so you know you just move it over there as well
0: so. But perhaps in all of these things that you do, you've remained a teacher because that's what I find that I've done. Whatever I do, I'm basically a teacher and I'm taking people along on a journey. That's what I'm doing.
1: And I couldn't agree more. I've lectured as well uh, at the universities in, in the television divisions and uh, the journalism sections as well, because you know, they're two merge now. Journalism and uh, reporting and so on. They're all mixed media.
0: And I guess you've been involved uh, and probably still are in various uh, pageants and things. Uh, you know, we think of Sun City and the glamour and the glitz of Sun City, and it goes with the television world. And I see your next choice is uh, Kiss from a Rose. Mm-hmm. Just put that into context for well, us.
1: Yes, in the heyday of Sun City and the pageants and the big shows, they, they had a movement called uh, Positive Rocks, which was an HIV awareness Um, concert, and it was also to raise funds for the area that was around Sun City and and so on for the clinics, and I was asked to shoot this big show, which which combined fashion and design and stars, and who was our man? It was Seal. My jaw dropped open, and uh, I stood on the stage with, you know, he was there, he was prompt, he was ready. How do you do? go down to the end, would you stand here? Thank you so much. I was in awe. One of those moments of, I don't know what to say to him. And uh, Shooting the cons, this huge, huge show in the, in, in the arena. Again, I was speaking earlier about what Robbie Williams does when he comes across on screen. So does Seal. He was absolutely magnetic. You could hold a medium close-up on him for the whole thing because he sells it and gives it to you, and that is the magic of television. And this song is particularly beautiful.
0: Kiss from a Rose with Seal. And we apologise for the drilling noise in the background, but uh, it's amazing what goes on in this building. So we just can't get rid of it, I'm afraid, because they're busy doing their thing. But have you travelled the world doing productions as well? I mean, I know you like travelling on your own when you're on holiday, but have you travelled the world doing productions?
1: I wish I could say I'd been to a lot more places, but I have had the privilege uh, of going to. I've been to India, been to the Seychelles, doing productions, been to China, oh, doing fantastic. productions. Yeah. Yes,
0: Los Angeles, you went to? Oh yes, yeah. we did. I forgot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what a privilege that is it all has its challenges of course but there's nothing quite as exciting as t- as traveling with a crew and and just experiencing what's going on and it leads to great anecdotes that's for sure
0: and I see coming up is uh, live in vida loca with Ricky Martin
1: well, well Ricky Martin nobody knew who he was uh, it was who does miss Moore and mrs. Morley want? with we, we, lucky Martin just, you know okay all right. Well, he's coming along to do this. What was World this Miss World in the Seychelles? Yeah. the night of, and he arrived, but the day before, and we uh, had the executive director, who was a wonderful man from the, from England, Alistair Macmillan, He was working and cutting it down and, and so on because it was a backing track. He was seeing live, but it was a back track. And eighty odd girls had to walk the stage with him. Ooh, all well, the contestants. All, the, all contestants. the Miss World contestants. And uh, so this charming young man. Uh, came to a rehearsal the day before. It was all fabulous and vivacious as ever. And on the day, the next day, it poured with rain. And it was an open air stage. The day you were supposed
0: to be doing the The, bro- the, yeah. the
1: broadcast live, and it was pouring with rain. You wake up and you can hear the shh. I think, can't be, can't be. Well, voodoo dolls and all sorts of things being nailed into trees and prayers and sacrifices were made. Sweeping the stage half an hour to get rid of the water the rain stopped The broadcast happened Ricky and 80-odd girls amongst many other things that happened on the night wowed the crowds in credits rolled <laughs> down came the rain. The
0: rain. Hey. <laughs> So thank you Ricky amazing <laughs> how these things happen, but you've met a lot of people in your time uh, How did you come to be on classic 1027?
1: Well, I had worked on a couple of other stations uh, on on yeah. S A F M, and I and had been at five F M and so on. So Peter Danabrega, a very old colleague from our days, we when I first met Peter it was at the S A B C, and we worked on the first National Song Festival. It was the Eurovision of South South Africa Africa, with 13 radio stations and we did a live broadcast again crossing to 13, 14 stations 13, 14 acts and it was at the Standard Bank Arena and that's when I first really met Peter and a friendship had formed from there on so we'd been colleagues at the SABC and of course Peter was here and we sat talking one day and that's how I got to be here and I couldn't be happier
0: Well that's wonderful you see it takes you back to your your Cesar Frank days and Panis Angelica. Completely <laughs> set. <laughs> so you've, you've made a sort of circle around now. And that's why you're still living Davida Vida Loca. Living Davida Vida Loca. Well, and I guess all our listeners are living Davida Vida Loca too. <laughs> the music tonight has been somewhat uh, different to what we normally have, which is great. And uh, it's all your choice. And you've obviously thought about it quite carefully to go, through things that have meant a lot to you uh, over the years. And uh, Tananas is another one. Uh, it was a great trio. It was um, Ian Herman, Gito Bolloy, Steve and Newman. Steve Newman. A guitarist.
1: An unusual group. Yeah. Uh, New age sound, glorious. I heard them in a little club in in Melville and just knocked out with, with what they were creating. Ian Herman, a percussionist drummer, in, he, in fact, uh, because Tannas, uh, several years later, were the uh, support act for Sting when he was here, and they'd, they'd, he'd heard them, and um, Sting was out here doing something for 5FM, a big concert, and his drummer was Earl Vinnie, and he got hold of Ian Herman, and Ian Herman played with, with, with Sting, so that, that was the calibre of, of the musicianship. But anyway, I'd seen them at this little club in Melbourne, I thought they were knocked out. Went to my boss at the time at the SABC and said, look, this is just extraordinary stuff. Um, I'd like to do one little video with them. No, a session with Tananas. And we did. We put them in the studio in this sort of avant-garde atmosphere and, this thing, and shot this fabulous little program, Session with Tananas. And us. Unus- unusual music hadn't been heard. And then um, a year or so later, we did a video with them um, which is the song that I've chosen, and, and it was a runner-up in in a video competition here. And I've always felt very, very close to Tananas. They're an exceptional group of musicians.
0: That was the group Tananas and a piece called Lobsung. Sounds almost like a Mendelssohn piece, Lobgesang, but it ain't. And you are listening to classic 1027 but as i said just now the the music has been very different on this program all chosen by Anne williams who's my guest in people of note still going very strong i must say here and uh because you've got something inside pretty strong (laughs) in you i guess have you i think so i i think i'm quite a spirited person yeah don't don't sort of sit
1: back lightly
0: yeah and and you've I mean you're enjoying what you're doing still in all the different things that you do.
1: Yes, I'm often think how very blessed I am that I I I kind of landed doing what I should be doing. I've Never been in the position to think oh, I don't really want to do that. I've just always loved everything I've done.
0: Because you've been looking for things. I mean, I, I you know that happens to me too. Because when when one door closes, then you find another niche to go in and I'm sure you've done the same exactly right people who work for themselves they have to yes you do
1: and there's a wide range of people that you know and I think if you're a communicator and as you've seen I wave my arms around a lot and I tend to chatter I think we will always find something to do
0: yeah because you've got lots to offer (laughs) in so many ways and this the next song, Something Inside So Strong?
1: Well, I, earlier on in in the program, I mentioned that I was always getting into trouble with the programs that I did. And this was certainly the program Listen to the Words, in which I had these six women and a, a tale being told, woven by song. And towards the end of the program, we combined the, the sting number, um, if you love someone, set them free, and we put it in a medley with Something Inside So Strong, which would have been fine I suppose if it hadn't been sung by Mara Lowe and a, a choir from Soweto women but there was nothing actually that was to be banned about it neither of the songs were actually officially scratched through at the SABC but management didn't like it and they snuck it away in the schedule as I say it was meant to go out and it was compounded by the fact it was going to go out on the 16th of December <laughs> I mean, it didn't go down well so as I say I got snuck onto the schedule around about midnight sort of on Christmas Day or something but it was still a fine fine program it, it garnered a, a couple of nominations didn't win anything but it was hidden
0: something inside so strong Labby Sifra and then very quickly because we don't have much time here comes the Sun
1: George Martin, it's from an album that George Martin produced, In My Life, was considered the fifth Beatle. And this, I think, kind of sums the way I think about life. Labby Sifra, Something Inside So Strong. I know we've only got a little bit of time left, right, Richard? So um, this is a piece of music. It's off the George Martin album. He was a, considered the fifth Beatle, brilliant producer, from the album, In My Life. And I think it kind of sums up the way I feel about life, about my work here on the station and my general attitude to living. Here comes the sun.